Well, it is really good to be here this morning. I'm just as surprised as you are, believe me. (laughs) But we are going to do what the Lord has asked us to do, and that is to declare his name and lift it on high. Oh, right. Sorry. I forgot. It's time for the kids to head back to their classes. They're all going, do we really have to sit and listen to him? No, you guys can leave. Thank you to all of those who are teaching this morning. We appreciate you very much. Man, that cleared everybody out. <laughs> There's nobody here anymore. And I, I got to tell you, that is, that is really a cool thing because to be honest with you, for the longest time, for those of you who have or are fairly new to us, we didn't have a lot of kids if we had any. You know, we had the Witt family, we had the Vandiver kids, and that was it. And so we had maybe a few more every once in a while, but not a lot. And so to have a, a congregation full of children again and listen to them leave is such an awesome sound. So we're, we're grateful for that. We love that. Bring more kids. Have more kids. Come on. <laughs> really? No? All right. Okay, I might be avoiding getting started, so uh, I'll get started. You know, have you ever had a time in your life where it just became completely overwhelming? And whatever it was that you wanted to do just became the worst nightmare you've ever had. It just became so difficult that you could barely pick up a pen or the phone or a book or do anything that you were required to do for the task that you were involved in. Or life itself just became so hard that you just didn't, you just wanted to check out. And I've had times like that in my life, which might be surprising to you, but I've had times in my life where I felt like it's, I, I'm done. I, I really don't want to do this anymore, and it's become very difficult. And then what will happen is that somebody will bring a note to me. They'll send me a card, or they'll, they'll call me, or they'll text me something really encouraging to remind me of why it is that I get to do what I do. Being a pastor, being a leader in the church, being anything, because for the, to be honest, for the most part in my life, I have not been in this position. I've been involved in church for a very, very long time. But to be in this position has been relatively new for me, to be a pastor in a sort of a full-time mode. And it's difficult. It is a difficult task. In Timothy, the the verses that we're going to look at today, the passage that the Lord led me to last night, believe it or not, is 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. And it's going to continue on in the the theme of prayer that we have been talking about a lot lately. as we have been looking at John 17 lately, and also when we finished James, James talked a lot about prayer. So this morning's passage will continue that. But this letter, these letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, First and Second Timothy, are very personal letters. It's a, it's a way for us to be able to look into a, a relationship between an older man who had a lot of experience in ministry, to a younger man who was really just getting started. 
And this is a glimpse that the Lord allows us into a very intimate relationship between two men who are on the same journey together to help them to proclaim God's word to a lost world in a very difficult situation. Timothy is a, he was a, uh, a pastor, elder at the church in Ephesus, and he came from a family that was very Christian, if you will. They were very religious. His grandmother, Lois, and his, and his mother, Eunice, had a great influence on his life by their great faith. As Paul writes in 2 Timothy, he says this in 2 Timothy regarding them. He says in 2 Timothy 1, starting in verses 4 through 6, he says, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, he's talking to Timothy, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. So there is a, there is a family history here from, from Timothy that he received this faith from his grandmother and his mother, and it has indwelled into him as well. So Paul is writing this letter. This letter is his encouragement to Timothy to continue on in the faith. And in the passage that we're going to be looking at, it is a call to pray for all people. A great call to pray for Timothy as a pastor to teach his people to pray in a large group which is not always an easy thing for us to do, but it's certainly an important thing for us to learn how to do. So let's read today's passage and get started, okay? And then we'll pray. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. Starting out in verse 1, it says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray, God, and thanks for your word. I, I pray, God, and thanks for the message that Paul gave to Timothy and then you gave it to us so that we could see inside this relationship that Paul had with Timothy and the heart that he had with, with Timothy, and also for the local church, Lord, and how we are to pray, how we are to bring all kinds of prayers to you, Lord. I pray, God, that this morning that your word would come forth through my mouth. Lord, truly, today we really need that. I pray, God, that you would speak through me, and Lord, and open our hearts and our minds to hear what it is that you have to say, and that we would be changed from the inside by the by the two-edged sword of your word lord i pray that this would be a word that would help us to see you better 
and to pray more effectively and more fervently to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when we look at this, we look at this, this set of verses. We're going to look at the first three verses first. Let's read those again because this is, this is so important and foundational to what it is that we're going to talk about. Paul says, first of all then, you know, when Paul says, first of all, that means that there's more coming. But first of all, before we get anything else out of the way, we have to deal with this. And so this is what he says. First of all then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. In verse 1, it says, first of all, in urge, and remember that every word that the Lord uses, every word that he has inspired someone to write down in the word of God means something. And so, first of all, in urge, they're not just casual words. Paul is urging Timothy, and thus us, to passionately exhort above all things prayer and public worship, that it's essential. It reminds us and shows our congregations that, that we are subservient to Jesus. This is Timothy, the pastor. And so this is the, the voice of one leader to another, to his people. It's essential. It reminds us that God is God and we are not. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this about prayer. He said that prayer is the supreme expression of our faith in God. Prayer is the supreme expression of our faith in God. Why would that be, do you think? Why do you think prayer would be that important? Because when we pray, and we say, when we bow our heads in prayer, what are we essentially doing? We are, we are putting ourselves off the throne, and we are putting God on the throne, bowing to someone by, when we pray, it means to us that we, are, we have someone who is higher than us. We have someone who is greater than us. We have someone who is bigger than us. Someone that is an authority over us. And we bow our heads in worship to the one who hears us and will answer us and drive us forward. And that is what Paul is trying to tell Timothy. These prayers that we are going to bring in public worship, we are to teach our people who God is through prayer. It's really as simple and as difficult as that. And we are to bring all different kinds of prayers. The first one that we are to bring is intercession. What is intercession? Kind of a churchy word. What is intercession? It's very easy. Those are prayers that we pray on behalf of someone or something else. Something that is not about us, but it might be about a spouse or a family member or someone in the church or a friend or a relative or someone that you've met that you need to pray for. They need you. They've asked you to pray. 
or you've been led by the Lord in, in your heart by the Spirit to pray. That's called intercession. Intercession. And for us as pastors, you know, we are called to pray for our, our churches, for the people in our congregation, which we do here at Calvary. We pray for you all the time. Matt and I do, and all the leaders, and I'm sure each one of you pray for each other in intercession to help us, Lord, help us to grow in the Lord, to help us to know who the Lord is, to help us get over an illness, to help us get a job, to help us live the Christian life. Another way to intercede is to have a list of people that you know that need Jesus, that need Jesus. Do you have a list of people that you have put together of people who you know and love or people that you've run into in your life who don't know Christ, who don't know him, but you do. And so you know the importance of knowing Christ. You know the consequences of someone who dies out of favor with the Lord. We must have a list, and we should be lifting those people up on a regular basis to the Lord. And we must trust that the Lord will answer those prayers. Jesus himself, as we've been looking at in John 17 the last few weeks, and we'll continue next week, hopefully, if Matt gets better, and he will, because we're interceding for him. He himself, God himself, and Jesus Christ, right before he goes to the cross, he is interceding on our behalf. That was the message that we were supposed to have today, and I look forward to hearing it next week, is how Jesus the last thing that he does before he's arrested is praise for us. Our God, Jesus. And we know that he is the great intercessor because when he died on the cross and shed his blood and was resurrected and ascended into heaven, Scripture tells us that he sat at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us. He takes the prayers of the people that we bring before the Lord and he, by his authority, and his authority alone, because he is the only one as our great high priest who right now is allowed into the throne room of God, and he takes our prayers before the Father and prays on our behalf as our intercessor. And so when we pray our prayers, when we pray corporately, when we pray privately, it is so important for us to remember who God is and who Jesus is and to have faith that he hears us and he takes these prayers before the Father and he answers them. Now, the answers might not come right away. And sometimes the answer is no. But as believers, we must continue to have faith that God does hear us and he will answer us. I had a conversation with a guy this last week several times going through some difficult things in his own life. And he would tell me that, gosh, Scott, I really hope that God hears me. I really hope that God hears what I have to say. And I said, you know, we can know God hears you. You do not have to wonder 
if God hears you. As a believer, as you say you're a believer, you must know that God hears you. It's his promise. Do we trust his promises? We are to bring these prayers with thanksgiving. And we are to bring these prayers for all the people. And we are also to bring our supplications, which means our requests. It's a big word, just means our requests for ourselves too. How deeply do you pray for yourself and your family? Is there something in your Christian walk that needs to be refined? Or you want to know the answer to something that you've read in Scripture and you're not sure what the answer is. But you've been digging and digging and digging, trying to find it. But you haven't been able to. Do you take that to the Lord? Do you ask Him to help you? Do you ask Him to help dig that cancerous growth that's preventing you from following him in the way that he wants you to follow him? Do you take that to him and ask him to dig that out of your life? An addiction? A bad relationship? An illness? Maybe laziness in your Christian walk. Maybe you, you can't create a desire in your own heart to pray and read God's word. Maybe you're having trouble sleeping. Maybe there's other difficulties in your life that God can help you with. Sometimes we think that God is too big, that he's not interested in us, and he's not interested in the minor details of our life, but I can assure you that he does. Psalm 139 tells us that anything that comes out of your mouth, before it rolls off your tongue, he already knows what it is that you're going to say. He knows before you even stand up and before you sit down, he knows you're going to do that. So there's like 8 billion people on the earth right now. And he knows that about every single person. He knows the hairs on your head. We've said that before. We don't need to reiterate that it's a lot easier for him to count mine than yours. <laughs> but it is. So I grew a goatee to kind of make it a little bit more difficult on him. But he does. He knows these things. And he cares so much. Anyway, that's what Paul is trying to tell Timothy. Remind himself of the importance of what prayer is and teach that to your people. You know, right now in the U.S., it, it also tells us that there's three things. There's three things that Paul, that gives us a reason why we're supposed to do this. First, at the time that Paul wrote this letter, the Romans were not particularly friendly to the Christian faith, much like what we see now in the United States. We currently have freedom to worship, to come here and not worry about the government coming through the door. But I'm telling you, that may change. We've already seen some of that with COVID. The government wanted to take over the churches and tell us what to do, when to meet, where to meet, could you meet, tell you not to meet. We've seen pastors in Canada that gotten arrested time and time again just because they wanted their church to worship together. The time is coming when the government here is not going to be favorable to Christianity and I would argue and you probably would too that they're not. But we are still as Paul says later on to lift up our leaders. Verse 
There are those in this, co- in this world, though, that we know of. We've all heard of the church that's been per- being persecuted around the world. That there are people right now, right now, who are being tortured, who are being imprisoned, who are being beaten, whose families are being separated because of their love for Jesus and their desire to worship him. And they will not stop no matter what happens. Because they believe what Acts 4.12 says. And there, is no, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Paul says this in Ephesians 6.18 and 19, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayers and supplications to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. All the saints, because we know that there are those out there that are suffering for their faith. We need to be praying for them at all times. And then also Paul says, for me, that the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. It's so important, not only for your pastors and your leaders to be praying for you, but I must say that it's important and we count on your prayers for us. Just as Paul said, (laughs) and I learned about this last night at 745, and really God did not lead me to this message until about 9 o'clock last night. So I need the prayers of the people. And I have to say, Remember Oliver, the guy from Zimbabwe who's a friend of the McDaniel family? He stayed with us for a while, came to church here a couple times. He texted me this morning, out of the blue, has no idea what's going on today. And he says, hey, brother, I'm praying for you and Matt this morning. Who does that? God led him to pray for us all the way from Indiana. Laid him on our heart. You know how encouraging it was to get that this morning? And I texted him and told him, you have no idea how important that is today. God is good. And we need the prayers not only for each other, but as pastors, we need your prayers. We covet your prayers. We love your prayers. We love your encouragement. We talked about this again yesterday morning at our men's breakfast that It's not so much that we want you to come up to us and tell us what a great job we do. That's not the important thing. We, as pastors and leaders and teachers, and that's not just us, but all of you who lead Sunday school and the children's churches and things like that, is that we want people's lives to be changed. We want people to know who God is. We want them to love Jesus as much as we do. I want to share this quote because when we're talking about Jesus as our intercessor, this is what John Calvin tells us about that. It gives us a good picture of who Christ is. It says, John Calvin said, he said, if it is true, it is true, of course, that we do not picture him, Jesus, on his knees making humble supplication like the Apostle Paul. We understand that he appears before God's face in such a way that the power of his death avails as a permanent act of intercession. Also that he, Jesus, having 
entered the heavenly sanctuary is alone able to convey the prayers of God's people who do not have the same intimate access that he does. Because as I said, no one but Christ is right now in the throne room. The third thing is that God is pleased by our prayers. Anytime we see that Jesus says that he is pleased by something, when he takes it to the bank that it is important for us to do, and if we cannot ignore it. We must do it. And like any other command we receive from Jesus who has commanded us to pray and to bring our prayers to him, that our prayer in public worship is not optional. It is a command that we must follow. So how do we get each other to pray more? How do we get each other to understand the importance of what prayer is? And from a pastor's standpoint, we need to model it. We need to model it. It needs to be in our DNA. It needs to be about who we are. It needs to flow out of us just like the English language just flows off our tongue. And I know some of us are better with the English language than others. I can get tongue-tied, but you get the idea. Prayer is supposed to be natural. It's not something we just say, well, I'll pray for you. And then we never do. It's not just something we say. It's something we do. It's who we are. It's who we are. It's who we are because we recognize the one whom we are praying to is the only one who can help us. I can't help you in some things. The guy I told you that I was talking with earlier this week is dealing with a very difficult situation. And honestly, one he caused. And I cannot fix it for him. He wanted me to, but I can't fix it for him. Can't. And I told him, you're going to have to go to the Lord and rely on him. I can pray with you, but I cannot fix this problem. I cannot fix the problem. It's humanly impossible. So we went to the Lord. And I think by the end of the week, he finally got it. We'll see. But we, as pastors, need to lead our people to prayer. So when we pray, sometimes we wonder, does it really make any difference? Is God here? I mean, there are times when we think, okay, I don't know. I've been praying about this thing for a long time. I have a, a pain that I've been dealing with my whole life. I, I have a, a child who just refuses to, to come to church and worship the Lord. They they don't want to have anything to do with God. Or I have an addiction that I've been trying to kick for years or a sin or something that just seemingly is gnawing at me and I can't get rid of it. And is God really hearing what I am saying? I want to tell you, he is. He's trying to teach us something about himself. When Sherry and I were at a church in uh, the suburbs of Denver, it was called Jubilee. And I was on a prayer team that we had at the end of service. It wasn't a big deal, but we would have people standing, you know, along the stage. Our stage was a little bigger than this one. But we had people standing at the stage, and the pastor would tell people at the end of a sermon, at the end of service, that if you need prayer, to come. And this was a church that really, they are a little more charismatic. And uh, they were definitely a praying church. 
and people would line up and they would come. Some weeks we wouldn't have anybody and some weeks we'd have a lot. And this week we had a guy, his name was Jerome, and Jerome came. Now, during that time period in my faith was a little bit in the basement. So why I was on the prayer team, the Lord only knows. But that's where I was. He had me praying for people. And so I had been praying for people in the past for healing. And to be honest, my level of confidence that the Lord would heal was fairly low. But Jerome came up to me and I asked him, what, what is it that you would have me pray for you, Jerome? And he said, well, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. And they have told me that I have tumors all over my body. And I have to go tomorrow and I have to find out what the treatment is going to be for my cancer. And they don't think it's going to go well. And so I just need prayer. And I said, well, Jerome, you know, why don't we pray that God would totally heal you? And he said, okay, I'd be for that. I said, okay. So we prayed. Again, I'm praying. <laughs> you know, my level of confidence for poor Jerome was not great that God was going to heal him. I'm just going to be honest with you. The next week, Jerome comes to church, and I'm standing there in my post again, probably the worst intercessor in all the world with the faith about that big, if I even had that much. And he comes up to me, and he has a giant grin on his face. And I said, what's up, Jerome? How's it going? He goes, it's gone. It's gone. Every tumor is gone. They couldn't find anything. And we hugged and we cried. And Jerome, as far as I know, is still healed. I, that was a, probably the, I think I saw him one more time after that. And that was it. But God heals. He does. He answers prayer in this way. But I have to tell you, just to be full disclosure, because I, I want you to know that sometimes God says no. And I have spent more times praying for people to be healed in this life from a disease, and the answer has been no. And they, they died. You know, and there was one I, I got asked to pray and lay hands on our pastor who had cancer, and he wasn't healed. And I was relatively new in the Lord, and God showed me through that that because I had a difficult time with that. I carried a lot of guilt. Well, maybe my prayer just wasn't. This was before Jerome, which led me to have the little faith about Jerome. And I, I carried this guilt with me for a long time that maybe I just didn't have enough faith. Maybe, maybe it was me. Maybe, maybe I didn't pray right. Maybe I didn't have the right words. And then my pastor, a different pastor, came to me and he said, Scott, has not your burden to carry? Prayer is unloading onto the Lord what's on your heart. And then it's up to him to answer. It's not up to you. His answer was no. And he said, and think of it this way. Our pastor's name is Adrian. He said, he said Adrian was healed. He's just healed in heaven now. So your prayer was answered. Don't carry the guilt around. Don't carry that guilt around. That's not for you to carry. So this is the other thing that Paul is teaching Timothy 
to teach to you, and I'm teaching to you, is that when we pray, we come with faith. But we understand that we only can bring the request to the Lord. And it is up to God who's the one who answers. We have to leave it into his hands. Matt tells me all the time that I can't carry everybody's burden. I am not supposed to do that. That's not my job. I want to, but my knapsack is getting pretty full, and I can't carry it around. And God is teaching me to unload again to him. And so when we pray, and sometimes, you know, we think, okay, we're not going to pray because God never hears. No. Pray. Keep praying. Keep praying. I'm really not following my notes at all, as you can see. But I, I am, this is great because I don't care about my sermon. I want you to hear my heart as to what Timothy is being told. And this is my heart. Because it's God's heart. Prayer is important. Prayer is precious. Prayer is an intimate gift that God gave us. To pray for all the people, all the saints, to the kings of the world, even if we don't like them, even as we think they're idiots, even if they're from the wrong side of the political party that we might follow. And it doesn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat or whoever, liberal, conservative, or whatever. We are called to pray for all of our leaders. Paul says so that we can live dignified lives, quiet, humble, worship in peace, There are times when it's going to come where we may have to be a little bit more harsh. We need to be a little bit more strong against the government if they really decide to get in our way and prevent us from worshiping our Lord because we must follow God other than men, as Peter said to the leaders in Jerusalem. But we are to pray for our leaders. They should be on our list, our intercessory list, of people to pray for, especially because we don't know who, what their heart is. I can't tell you what President Biden's heart is to the Lord. I really don't know. I will never meet him. I will never have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. All I know is what I see on TV or read in the paper or anywhere else. I don't know him as a person. I have my opinions of him. They could be completely wrong. God wants me to pray for him. He wants me to let him lead well, not by his wisdom, but by God's wisdom, even if he doesn't want it. Because our Lord is the one who is in charge, not President Biden, not President Trump, or whoever else is in office. The Lord is our king. We are to pray for him. We, did, we are to do this because it is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. All people to be saved. Now, when we think about that, we've been talking about election the last couple of weeks. So, is that a contradiction as to what we've been talking about? No. No, it is not. Let me see if I can find it. I have this great John Calvin quote. I really want to read it to you. 
just have to find it. Essentially what John Calvin is saying, because I can't find it, essentially what John Calvin is saying is that election doesn't really make a difference in this point. In this passage, let's not even talk about that, because it's clear that in this passage what the Lord wants is for all people, all people, all races, all religion, you know, all genders, everybody. We know male and female, so when I say all genders, male and female, all colors of people, from every walk of life, from every nation and tribe, God wants them to be saved. The invitation for Christ to come and be their Lord and Savior is open to all. Yes, he has called some, and we're not going to go into the whole thing of election today because we've talked about it enough. God has called some people who will come to him and know him. Yes, he has done that. He has elected some. There is no doubt about that. Predestined some to be saved. But we, again, are all responsible for our own response to his gospel, to the fact that he came to save us, that he shed his blood, that he gives us the opportunity to be saved. We have to accept his gift that he has given us. And God wants all people to hear that. And so we are the conduit upon whom he speaks. We are the ones who are to go and make disciples. We are to be his witnesses. We are to be the ones who go and proclaim his name to all the nations. Sometimes we get stuck in La Junta, even narrower into Calvary. We don't think outside of our building. God is much bigger than that. And he wants everyone to come to salvation. For there is no one, there is no one God, and there, excuse me, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus, as we've just talked about, he is the one God, the one man, the one mediator, the only one who could do this. He is the only one, being that he is God and man, to be able to go to the cross because he is fully holy, sinless. He is the one. He is the one who stepped in the gap and took our punishment from us. It is through his shed blood that we have even the opportunity to have our sins forgiven and have our lives restored to our creator God. And then Paul says this, and he says, for this truth I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. An apostle, none of us can be apostles. Apostle, the apostolic age has ended when John passed away, I believe is the last living apostle. An apostle is someone who saw the living Christ. So since we have no one here right now who has actually seen the living Christ, we've heard of him and we believe in him and we give our heart to him, we cannot be an apostle. But 
we can be called to something. I've been called to be a preacher, a teacher. You might have been called to be something else. You might have been called to be a preacher or a teacher. And you might not even know it yet. I didn't know it until someone told me to preach once, and then I did, and I learned, and then God called me into that. But God calls us into something, but he calls us to be his witnesses. And, and I don't know why Paul says this, but he goes, look, man, I'm not lying. God is the one who did this. And I think he's trying to say that, you know, look, I, it, this is not me. I wouldn't have chosen this. I was going around persecuting people. I wasn't out there proclaiming Christ. I wanted Christ's proclamation to be stopped. But it's been changed now. My heart is changed. And now I preach Christ crucified. And now I want you to do the same. He was appointed by God to do this, as we all are, because none of this is our idea. None of it is. It's all him, to his glory and honor. And if you're here this morning and you are not sure where you are with him, then now is the time to give your life to him. Now is the time to understand what he did for you, that you can have eternal life with him, that you can have your sins forgiven, that you can have a new life in him. And you can know that when you pray to him that he hears you and he cares for you and he takes those prayers to the Father in the throne room of God and the Holy of Holies as our great high priest Jesus the Christ let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you God for who you are thank you God for opening our hearts this morning to what it is that you have to say we love you Lord so much we rely on you so much Lord I pray, God, that our prayers, Lord, that we would pray fervently all the time with all kinds of requests, all kinds of intercessions for all the people, including the kings of this world, Lord, those in leadership who need to hear your voice and to rule with your wisdom. Father, I pray, God, that our hearts would be broken for the lost as you are, that we too would want everyone to be saved, knowing, of course, that not everyone will accept that gift. But our job is to proclaim it, and your job is to save them. We have the easy job, Lord, but we make it so difficult on ourselves. Help us to trust you, Lord, with the truth that you have given us. Help us, Lord, to be people of prayer. To understand that is the highest form of worship. Recognizing you as the authority over us. The only one who can hear us and change our circumstances. Father God, we thank you. We just ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.